0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word...
1: There's nobody that God saves to sit. I think that's so important. Nobody gets saved to sit down. Um, You know, we're all called to do something for the Lord. And so we got to seek the Lord for what that is. God, what have you called me to do? Uh, that becomes the that should be the prayer of every believer that's unaware. If you don't know what you're called to do yet, uh, let me help you out. Because until you until you get that settled, you're you're really wasting your life.
0: Once we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, the Lord is not done with us yet. Scripture clearly states that God wants to use us in powerful ways. Today, Pastor Bill will challenge listeners to not become idle in their faith. No matter your status, career, lifestyle, or level of influence, the Lord has big plans if you will allow Him to work through you. Do you need to make a greater effort to be used by the Lord in your life? Avoid the danger of apathy and embrace the calling to serve God mightily today. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 11 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. It says in verse
1: four, so the messengers came, to Gibeah of Saul and told the news in the hearing of the people and all the people lifted up their voices and wept. When everybody heard, and I want you to note this, right, that the news was shared, not in private, in public. The main Gibeah, they went up, it was a public, you know, they told everybody what was going on. And when the people heard it, they lifted up their voices and wept. This is the condition of Israel. Again, I'm looking at this thinking, where are the men of war? We're the valiant men. We're the people that say, you know, well, hold on, wait a minute. You know, this reminds me of later on. We're going to see in the in, in Samuel. We're going to see that the Philistines have put Israel in check. They got a giant Goliath that comes out every day and taunts Israel uh, in front of. I mean, just imagine one guy coming out and being so impressive, how big he was. He taunts the entire army. The whole army of Israel is there, and nobody wants none. Saul don't want none. The soldiers don't want none. They, this guy is coming out and he's just giving it to him every day. Who wants some of this, you know, and just calling everybody out. And David, who wasn't even thought enough of to be sent to the battle, he was just a little ruddy kid. And his dad said, go see how your brothers are doing at the war. And David, went, David's just going down to bring some cheese and see how the brothers are doing to tell his dad how things are going. And David gets down there. and hears this Philistine uh, speaking about the army of God. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine and why are y'all letting him talk about our God? Like David was like, absolutely not. You know, he's made. I will fight him. You know, but David had the spirit of God. And we're going to see today that Saul its when the spirit of God comes upon it. Everything happens from there. I got to make this distinction for us as well. That in the Old Testament, it's not the same as it is for New Testament believers. They weren't indwelled by the spirit. The spirit would come upon individuals for acts of service and the Holy Spirit could come upon you and he could be removed from you. In Psalm 51, uh, David in his repentance for his sin against God in taking Bathsheba uh, and killing her husband. When he repents in Psalm 51, he acknowledges his sins before God. He says, God, against you and against you only have I done this, this wickedness. And then he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. In Psalm 51, 11, David says this, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Because David understood it could be taken away. We'll see that in Saul's life, though it's upon him now, will not be upon him always. And so we're in a different scenario, right? As soon as you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to what? Dwell inside you. And so now every believer has the Holy Spirit on board. What is he doing? Convicting you of sin, guiding you into all truth. He's at work in the life of the believer. That's why you can never be the same. Somebody get born again and stay the same. I don't think you were born again. Because you can't be the same. You can't you, you're going to you, the Holy Spirit's going to be there saying, I don't want to do that. I, I know you've been doing that your whole life. And I know because I got saved and the stuff that I was doing every day on a regular. I, as soon as I got saved, the Holy Spirit was like, we're not going to do that no more. You're not going to feel good about that. You're going you're gonna to feel some kind of way. You'll never enjoy that the way you used to enjoy that ever again. And that's how sanctification happens. Holy Spirit is why you begin to feel about your sin the way God does. None of us are that holy. We are wretched. You know that? Every one of us left to ourselves, the Bible says, man, we are are wretched individuals. We need God. You would never be holy without God's help. And so God said, I'm going to move in and I'm going to help you get where I'm trying to take you. God will dwell inside you, with you, convicting you, leading you, protecting you, helping you, um, causing you to. God, the Holy Spirit is the one that will make you hate the sin you used to love. And you'll be asking God, help me. Take it away from me. Forgive me for it. You know, and, and, and then that's where God will. God will now help you. Now you're begging God to do he's like that's That's exactly what I wanted to do as he's just doing his cleanup work in our hearts. But then because some people think that's it. God wants to save me and make me stop doing all the bad stuff. Oh, no. It's the cleanup so that God says, because I got something I want to do after that. I, I want to first I want to possess you. I want to indwell you. I want to clean up some things. But then. We see in Acts one eight that same group that were that were indwelled with the Spirit in, in John twenty. Now you come to Acts one and Jesus tells that same group and another, another one of His post resurrection messages to the disciples says, "Look, you wait here. Don't don't you guys aren't prepared to go do the ministry I'm calling. Wait right here. Wait until the Spirit of God comes upon you, and you will be witnesses for Me of Me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. That's what's going to happen in your life. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to be witnesses." I'm going to empower you to be something and to do something. Here's the important thing about the Holy Spirit, because there's a lot of confusion and a lot of misinformation on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. I think some people misrepresent it so poorly that other people are like, I don't know, I'm, the Holy Spirit is weird. It's crazy. Some people call the Holy Spirit an it. Don't do that. Holy Spirit is he. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, not an it, not an essence, not a not a feeling, not a, a what is you know, a wazoo is a it's a third person of the Trinity. So but you got people that treat the Holy Spirit like an it, like a thing, like magic. Some people do things and blame it on the Holy Spirit that are not in that you don't find it anywhere in the Bible. Right. If someone's doing something under the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to do it. Did anybody in the Bible do that? Under the power of the Holy Spirit, um, there are people that get slain in the spirit. Every instance in scripture where someone was slain, they weren't saved. Right. It wasn't like there's no there's no believers in the Bible that are just getting knocked down by the whole. That's not in the Bible. But you got church services where they do that every week. People come up and get slain. And what is that? Who did that ever in the Bible? Who ever got knocked down? Nobody. Nobody got knocked over. No, no believer. No believers were knocked down because what does that accomplish, right? If if I do a line of people, and you come up and I lay hands on you, you go, ham, you fall down. What does that do for God? What does that do for you? What does that do for the church? You know what it does? It makes me look powerful. I'm not powerful. That's what's happening in those circles. You got men that are like, they really want to be what God is. They don't want to revere the Lord. They don't want that. They're not content with you revering the Lord. They want to they want you to look at them. And a true man of God will have you look right past him to where the real power is at. Power's not in any man. Ain't no man knocking me down. I, I've been in those lines. When I didn't know no better, I'm like, I'm, I, I want everything God got for me. I've been in the lines. I'm praying, but I'm, you know, I'm not going, you can push this big forehead all you want. If God don't touch me, I'm not. And I didn't fall down. And it was like, OK, that's not, that's not real. I was there, I was, and I was wide open. I'm like, I was God, I'm open. I believe you're powerful. I believe you heal. I believe you do miracles. And if you got something extra for me, I want it, and I'm there, and all I had was a man going, huh, don't don't stop resisting, <laughs> you know, like like an officer. You know, I'm not resisting, it's nothing happening. So, but for me, that was sufficient for me to walk away and say, okay, that's 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 a bogus experience. Because I, that didn't happen. You know, nothing happened there. So be careful about any experience or anything like that. That someone is saying that they're doing under the inspiration and power of the Spirit that you can't find in the scriptures. I can't find anywhere where believers are knocked over. You know what you can find as you go read through Acts? The Holy Spirit came upon people and there were acts of service. They were they were empowered to do things. The Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and the next thing that happened, the people, they were speaking in tongues, they were prophesying in tongues in the, in the languages of all the people standing there. And the people it said that they heard them praising God in their in their languages and it blew them away. And then there were people that said, oh, they're drunk. And Peter, my guy, always got something to say, you know, peppermint sock. (laughs) Peter always putting his foot in his mouth. Peter said, these men are not drunk, as you suppose. But an impromptu sermon. He said, this is what the Bible says in the book of Joel. And God has poured out his spirit. And Peter gives a sermon and 3000 people come to faith in Jesus. Eternity is changed for them. That's Peter under the power of the Holy Spirit. and And it goes on from there. And so here, look at what it says in verse six. Then. The spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news and his anger was greatly aroused. So when Saul heard that the men from the Ammonites had come down on the men of Jabez Gilead and and were threatening to come down, it says that when that that happened, all the people were weeping in that moment. God, this is God. This is a sovereign act of God. Saul did, did Saul make the spirit come upon him. He didn't ask for it. He didn't make it happen. God said now. This is what I'm going to do my next thing right now. And God sovereignly, his spirit came upon Saul. Boom. Now, because God's spirit was upon Saul, Saul was angered. Y'all know there's a righteous anger, right? And I want to give you the difference between fleshly anger and righteous anger. The f- fleshly anger is when you madness about you. If you find that you're angry and you're trying to make it holy, you're trying to make it This is righteous. If your anger is about you and your hurt feelings, of what someone did to you, um, that's your anger. Just shelf that. That'll get you in trouble. But when our anger is is wrapped up in God's purposes, this I'm angry about this because it has something to do with God and what God wants to accomplish and something that's hindering what God wants. To, that's Saul here. Under the, he's, and the spirit comes upon him. And now he is angry that someone would assault God's people. These are God's kids, his people, that they would do that to God's people that he's concerned about that. He's concerned about what God's concerned about at this point. And this is the Holy Spirit is upon his life. It's it's going to begin from here. Everything that God does through him from this point, it's not Saul's strength, not Saul's power. It's the spirit of God upon Saul. Interesting that Saul was anointed privately to be king. And then when it was his time for his public inauguration, where was he at? He was hiding in the stuff. Right. And they had to go fight. They said, where is he? And God had to tell him where he was hiding in the stuff. Well, it appears that he had gone back home. There was nothing the king over yet. There was nothing for him to do. He had never been a king before. They had never had a king before. He'd been waiting for an opportunity probably to do. And here it is. God says, you don't even know it's coming, Saul, but here it is. My spirit is upon you. And you may not have been angry about this another day, but today you are angry about what I'm angry about. I'm going to stir you up to do something. Um, very similarly in the Old Testament, we see God do this. Um, there were many men. Was, I, I think of Samson, you know, the spirit would come upon Samson. And he would go wipe out a bunch of Philistines. Right. Those were the enemies of God. And that's how God was using Samson in that time. There's a difference between the Old and the New Testament as well. Right. In the Old Testament, where there's many wars and battles where people were fighting and, 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 and it was, you know, God ordained. They were going out and battling. As you come to the New Testament, we would look at those battles and we would find, um, you know, there, there's there's a we, we could kind of take from those battles lessons. But in, as a New Testament believer, are we out there, you know, am I chopping people up? The, the war is different now. The Bible says for the New Testament believer that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Amen. Against, but against principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness and heavenly places. So I, I know as a, as a believer, my enemies aren't necessarily people. Now, it may be people attacking me. It may be people that are embodying the enemy. It may be people that are doing the stuff. I'm not going to make people my adversaries or my enemies. That's a mistake for believers. Right. If I if I start going to war with people, Satan is like, I got you. Got them, Got them. That's do that. Fight them because people can't be my enemy. My enemy's invisible and you can't fight an invisible enemy in the flesh. So while we will take lessons from this, I want I want to make the distinction that we're new covenant, New Testament. We're in a different space till the spirit came upon him. Upon Saul, when he heard this news, it says his anger was greatly aroused over this situation. It says in verse seven. So he took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying, whoever does not go out with Saul and Samuel to battle, so it shall be done to his oxen. So he gives them a visual. He, he gets an oxen, he chops his. he cuts it up into pieces and sends them out by messengers. And he said, whoever doesn't come out with me and Samuel. And I want you to note there's a humility about Saul in the beginning. He starts well. Um, Saul's was like, hey, so I need Samuel. He, he, he's not he's not a one man show right now. He's not putting aside the man of God. He's like, I, I want me and Samuel. We are both going to be out there. And whoever does not join us. This was going to happen. Y'all oxen. So uh, everybody needs to join us. And here's what Saul is doing. He's using his position to rally God's people to come together. And I think if you look at those that are spirit led, they're going to be working to bring God's people together. Uh, there's a lot of people today working to split God's people up. Be careful that that's not you there. Now, we got a lot of mediums today. Right. Social media is people on there going blah, 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 dividing people up like this and like that. Be careful about all of that. Um, God does not want his body divided. I told you guys earlier we we're going through um, earlier in this study that we would not divide up. God's kingdom over what's happening in the kingdoms of this world. Amen. We are all part of a much greater kingdom, the kingdom of God. We are passing through. We're pilgrims passing through this place. So whatever's happening down here is on a smaller scale. We will not let the little petty things going on down here. Divide up that thing that we're really a part of, which is the kingdom of God. So I'm seeking unity among brothers and sisters in the Lord. If we disagree on something thing down here, do we agree about this thing right here? Do we agree about how to get saved? And the only way is through Jesus, that he died and he rose again. And there's no way to the father except through him. That's enough for me, for us to be brothers and sisters, for us to be family. We might disagree on some other peripheral things. Do we agree on the essentials? Be careful. I I got pastor friends that are tripping. I'm watching stuff on the Internet where people have got all this kind of stuff to say. And be careful about anything that would be divisive. I want you to note that Saul, under the inspiration of the spirit, is saying, everybody need to follow my lead. God is leading me this way. You guys all need to run with me. We're going in this direction. All all you guys need to come. I'm rallying the troops this way. And I believe that those that are walking in the spirit uh, and under the inspiration of God are going to be those that are uniting the church for God's purpose, for what God wants to do. Right. I don't want to get everybody to do what I want them to do. We as a leader, we're, we're trying to get where This God, what you want. We want to do what you want us to do. So we get that from the book and we're going to obey the word together. And so here it says that he sent that out to everybody. I want to say a couple more things before we go any further. Just about the person, and the work of the Holy Spirit, which I believe is so important. Um, I titled this message, uh, Power to Serve, um, because we'll see that in Saul's life and in everybody's life. You know, afterwards, the power to serve doesn't come from themselves. It comes from God. And so we're all called to serve we're all we all are called to do something. there's nobody that God saves to sit. I think that's so important. nobody gets saved to sit down. Um, you know I mean we're all called to do something for the Lord and so we got to seek the Lord for what that is. God, what have you called me to do? Uh, that becomes a that should be the prayer of every believer that's unaware if you don't know what you're called to do yet. Uh, let me help you out because Until you until you get that settled, you're you're really wasting your life. If you're a believer and you're like meandering as a believer and you're just like, I don't really know what God wants to do in my life. I just just go to church. And I promise you is more than going to church. There's something God has given you. There's something God wants to do. Uh, Here's a few verses. I want you just to write them down. Write down Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. God says that we are his workmanship, his work of art, his poema. Uh, That means work of art created in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God says, I prepared before I foreordained what you're supposed to be. Some people spend this life trying door number one, door number two, trying different things. And God's like, I've already decided what I've called you to be. If you would just seek me, I'd, I'd make it clear to you. I've gifted you. I've, I've created you a certain way. You're you got a certain kind of personality. You got certain strengths and weaknesses. I've created you to be this. And it's, it's right there with him. And some people try all these different doors and spend years of their life trying to figure out what they want to do. Uh, I remember years ago, I stopped asking kids, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know why? Because it don't matter what they want to be when they grow up. Right. It's, I've learned that it doesn't matter what you want to be. What matters is I'm like, hey, as you seek the Lord, what's God stirring up in your heart? What do you think God's calling you to do? What do you think God wants you to be, wants you to do, wants you to pursue? Because that's all that's going to matter at the end of the day. Everything else will be a waste. Even if you succeed at pursuing what you want, if it's not what God wants, you failed, you succeeded, you you succeeded and failed at the same time. And so we want to be careful to get it from God, says in John 15, 16, Jesus says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Uh, that you should go forth, that you guys should be able to, appointed you, that you would work, that you would do a work, that you should go forth and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give you. I appointed you, he said, I've given you something to do. There's something I want to do with you, in you and through you. Can I tell you guys as believers If the first most important thing is getting born again, so you're not going to hell. So you're in relationship with the Lord and, you know, you're going to heaven when you die. And and God is your dad and you got you're connected. That's that's of utmost importance. That's the first most. But once you get there, God, what do you want to do? When Saul in the New Testament, Saul that became Paul, if you guys remember on the Damascus road, when he first got saved, when God knocked him down off his high horse, he was blinded. The first thing he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And that that his life began there. Lord, what would you have me to do? God gave him his first direction as he followed the first direction. He got his eyes opened up. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit as Ananias prayed for him. He got his next set of directions and he was directed the rest of his life by the Lord, where to go, what to do. Powered by the spirit, lived a super fruitful life, Um, witnessed all of us, wrote most of our New Testament. But the first word out of his mouth, Lord, what would you have me to do? And he obeyed from that from that step on. That's that's where it all begins for the believer. First get saved. Understand who the Lord is. And then, Lord, what would you have me to do? Oftentimes, what God is going to have us to do is lay aside all our own. We, we may have come to Christ and had all kind of dreams and passions and aspirations and things that we used to do. And then we come to God. and He's like, I, I didn't do none of that. That's not I don't I, that, I don't want none of that. I got I got something different over here for you. Maybe he got something for you over there, too. But many times God is like that's that's count all that Paul said about his old life. I count it all as dung. And y'all know what that is, right? I, I, I refuse. I count it all as dung for the the for the the, the excellence of knowing for knowing Christ. I mean, I forget all that. Forget all that I learned and all that I learned in school and all my education. Forget all that. I, I know Jesus. And that, that to, compared to knowing him, all of that is trash. It's dung. Leave it behind. I don't I don't glory in that anymore. I glory in the fact that I know him and I'm known by him. And so. If I can encourage you guys that we we, we understand one, there's there's a calling, something God wants to do. And it will require his spirit upon our our lives. If you've never sensed a need for more of God, it might be that you're not doing anything for God. What what, would happen the moment you seek to do the thing God called you to do, you'll always be inadequate. God will always call us to do things that we're not adequate in and of ourselves to do. And we'll realize how inadequate we are and how much help we need. And we'll look to him. God, help me. And he's like, yes, that's that's that's, that's how that's how this works. Now I need help. God, I know you do. And he'll pour out his spirit upon us and God will be our help. And we'll stay connected to him. And we'll we'll know the whole time that, God, I can't do it without you, but I can do it through you. And we'll seek him and we'll pray and God will fill us and he'll use us. And that'll be the pattern of our lives until we go to be with him face to face. We need him. Amen. We need him for salvation. We need him because we're saved. We need him in order to be of service. We need him to be fruitful. We need God for every part of our lives. And if you're able to live a life that's not really that's not you're not, you know, vividly aware that you need him. You might be doing your own thing. Right. Because you might just be living a very comfortable you know, life. You might not even be walking with the Lord, you know. But if you're walking with God, I guarantee you there'll be an awareness that I need him. I need him. I need him. Sometimes we need God just to be just to be a Christian. Right. I need the Holy Spirit to help me. I'm, I'm not I'm not a good Christian. I need help. Right. I'm not holy. My first inclination is not holy. When bad things happen. God, I need you right now. I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to do the wrong thing. I'm going to give the wrong look. I'm going to have the wrong behavior. I need help. I need the Holy Spirit upon me every day. I need to be filled. And that's why the Bible says be, be continually being filled with the spirit. Because it's a continual thing. It's something that we continue to seek him and ask him for and pray for in our lives. So let's move on now. It says now in verse um, the second part of verse, the last part of verse eight, it says um, after Saul told them, whoever doesn't go out to battle, it's going to be done to them like he did to the oxen. It says, "And the fear of the Lord fell on the people and they all came out with one consent. You can circle that phrase one consent. They were unified.
0: there are many ways that you can spend your day, but we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel. Pastor Bill is the voice behind these teachings here on A Transforming Word. We genuinely trust that what you're hearing is truly having a transforming effect on your life through listening to God's Word. What is standing out to you about the book of 1 Samuel? Is it the character of Samuel and how he came to the position he did in Israel? Perhaps your curiosity is piqued by the accounts of young David fighting off wild animals and even fighting against a giant enemy. There are all kinds of accounts of fights, chases, and running away from someone who was once trusted. There are also great moments of David and Jonathan and their friendship. This Old Testament book can be such a treasure of information, history, and life lessons. We hope that you're connecting with it in multiple ways today. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about up, but please join us again for the next edition as Pastor Bill continues to teach. Through the book of first samuel until then keep learning and growing in the word and be expected for another great message here on a transforming word